wonder if you could recall a, a time in your life when you saw something uh, through a different lens, a different way of seeing something than you had always seen it before, and it made a lasting uh, impact in you. Uh, like, I've always thought fill in the blank, uh, and then you see how it really is, and this whole new reality uh, opens uh, for you. I want to uh, use uh, movies to kind of help you understand the point I'm trying to make here. Movies that uh, show you a story through a specific lens, and then at the very end of the movie, they switch the lens, and you see it uh, the way it really is, and you get to the end of the movie, and you're like, oh my gosh, how did I not see that? A couple of movies that come to mind that uh, have done this, and um, movies that I've seen, one, one of my favorite actors is Denzel Washington, that book, or the movie Book of Eli. Uh, does that lens switch at the end. Another movie, Will Smith, Collateral Beauty. If you haven't seen those movies, uh, sorry, spoiler alert, there's a switch at the end, but those are a couple of movies that just, when you see it through that different lens, it just changes your whole perspective. Uh, this happens with Scripture as well. Uh, we can uh, understand uh, a, a way a passage or perhaps a verse uh, has been understood in our lives based on the way we read it or based on the way that uh, we were taught it. And then that's just the way we interact with this particular scripture. And then, uh, and then you see a passage or a verse through a different lens and it changes everything. This is, uh, was true for me uh, years ago with a verse uh, from 1 John chapter 1. It's 1 John 1, 9. And the verse says this, uh, John is writing, uh, if we confess our sins, if you and I, if we, if, we, if we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The lens that I understood that one verse through for, for many years was uh, that I needed to confess every day to get new forgiveness from Jesus. And you play that out, and what that does is it puts forgiveness on you. It puts forgiveness on me. And so I need to confess in order to get forgiveness. And the fear was, what if I, what if I forget something to confess? Uh, what I missed for many years about 1 John 1, 9 is the context in which 1 John was written, and John states very clearly with clarity of purpose at the very beginning of 1 John chapter 1, and the purpose is this, it is to proclaim the gospel, it is to proclaim the good news to those who have not heard the gospel before. Verse 3, 1 John 1 says, that which we have seen, uh, John, uh, the disciples, those who are in Christ, those who have seen the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, those who have heard the message and believed the message, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim, we speak this, we proclaim it to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Right now, we don't have fellowship with each other in Christ, but we're proclaiming this to you so that you might believe, and then in believing, we would have fellowship 
with each other, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Here's the new lens when we understand 1 John chapter 1 within the context of the whole chapter. When we understand 1 John 1, 9 within the context of the whole chapter, this verse is about people coming to Jesus at conversion. And the verse is about radical, one time for all time, radical forgiveness that is in Jesus. It even says it in the verse to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when I, when I understood this verse through that lens, I can't tell you the weight that lifted off my shoulders and the weight lifted off because forgiveness was no longer about my forgiveness, uh, my confession. My, my forgiveness wasn't dependent upon my confession. My forgiveness was based on a promise that Jesus had made me. And the way I saw it, it was, it was truly liberating uh, for me. Uh, that's one, one, one verse just in my own story. I, I, I think that our passage today for Mark chapter 12, today is going to be one of those days for some, if not uh, many of you. Um, it's a passage. Uh, it'll be, fami- it'll be fam- familiar to most of you. Uh, it's a passage that has been quoted and given to uh, Christians, followers of Jesus, to uh, a, a, a strive for and attain, seek to attain to get to. Um, and it's a passage that I'm going to teach today through a different lens that um, maybe you've never heard before. Um, let me say this on the front end. As I unpack this and, and teach this passage through a, a different lens, for some of you, as you hear this and as you listen to it and as you uh, listen to the, to the scriptures that I'm going to unpack, it, it will be liberating and freeing for you. Uh, for others of you, this different lens that I'm going to teach this through, it may take you some time to uh, really get there, and that's totally uh, okay. I just would invite you to hear me out. Uh, I would also invite you to study these texts uh, on your own uh, after uh, you listen to this uh, and to talk with the Lord and pour over the scriptures. Um, sometimes it does take some time for a new lens to get really rooted in us because we've seen it through this different lens for our whole lives. So let me s- uh, again, uh, it's Mark 12 is our passage. Uh, we're just going to look at a few verses. It's verses 28 Uh, to 34. I've entitled uh, the passage, A New Lens. Let me set the stage for you contextually. Uh, As you know, week after week in Mark 11 and 12, Jesus is in the temple during Holy Week. His crucifixion uh, is days. It It is hours away, and Jesus over and over is getting baited Uh, with questions, uh, uh, teachers of the law, the Pharisees, Herodians, Sadducees last week, this people rapid fire coming to him uh, to combat with him because they are his uh, opponents. And the purpose of their questions was always uh, to trap him. And so uh, that will be another interaction. This is another interaction with an, an opponent of Jesus in the temple during Holy Week. So Let's read this together, Uh, Mark 12, again, verses 28 uh, to 34. And one of the scribes, or one of the teachers of the law, and we know this from earlier, Mark, they were already seeking to destroy Jesus. 
one of those opponents who was already contriving to destroy Jesus, uh, they, the scribes, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. What did he hear? He heard Jesus disputing and engaging with the Sadducees, which was last week's passage. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, asked, asked Jesus this question, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribes said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. He didn't say, you, you understand who I really am as the Lord. You understand this new way of grace. But this scribe was beginning to understand what Jesus was teaching, what Jesus was doing. And he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Let's unpack this uh, together. Uh, more context, just so that we've got the context clear. Debates in the temple with enemies of Jesus and Jesus continue. Uh, this scribe, this teacher of the law with ill intentions, uh, comes to Jesus to dispute him. And his, his question is about the law, the Mosaic law. And he, he asks of all of the commandments of the Mosaic law, which one is the most important? Jews called the commandments of the old covenant uh, mitzvah. And so, and there were 613 of them. And so of all the mitzvahs, Jesus, in the old covenant Mosaic law, which one, which one is the most important? Uh, the question that I want us to uh, think about here is something that we've talked about in previous messages as we've worked through uh, Mark's gospel. How does Jesus answer questions about the law? We have a scribe, a student of the law asking Jesus a question about the law, which is which of all 613, which is the most important. And what we've seen over and over and over again in the gospel of Mark is that Jesus uh, answers questions about the law with the law. And that's what he does here in this passage as well. Uh, we know and believe and understand that the law of God, the Mosaic law of God is God's perfect standard. Uh, the law is beautiful. The law is holy. But the perfect law of God is unattainable for people to achieve. Uh, earlier in Mark, 
Jesus comes uh, to the Pharisees uh, in Mark uh, chapter 10, I believe it is, and uh, the Pharisees are trying to attain this perfect standard of the law, and Jesus answers their question about the law with the law, and he raises the bar of the law even higher for them. Uh, Also in Mark chapter 10, the story of the rich young ruler who's trying to achieve the perfect standard of the law. And he comes to Jesus. He's asking a question about the law because he's trying to attain it. And Jesus raises the bar even higher uh, with the rich young ruler. Why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus consistently answer questions about the law with the law and even raise the bar higher in their minds. It is so that people will know that God's perfect, holy standard is unattainable so that they will understand their deep need of Jesus saving them. Well, let's look at how Jesus answers this question about the law with the law in our text. Um, He summarizes all 613 with two quotes uh, from the Pentateuch. He uh, begins by quoting what's called the Shema. It's from Deuteronomy uh, chapter six. This was a daily confession of Israel. And so he summarizes the, the entirety of the Mosaic law by quoting to this scribe, the Shema from Deuteronomy six, verses four and five, which says, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord Our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, emphasis on all, and all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So Jesus quotes the Shema first, and then he quotes a passage out of Leviticus 19. It's verse uh, verse 18, Leviticus 19, 18. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as Yourself, And then Jesus says, there is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus takes the entirety of 613 old covenant laws and he puts them all together into two things. It's all about love. And it's in the Shema. Again, I'm gonna say this again to emphasize it. Love God. The most important is this. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, to which I ask you, I ask myself, how's that working out for you? How are you doing with that? Um, Good days, I think we have in terms of how we love God. There's certainly uh, off days or even bad days, but can any of us, can any of us actually say, that we have ever done this, that we have ever achieved, attained what Jesus quotes here in the Shema. The second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself, to which I ask, how's that working out uh, for you? How's that working out for me? Some of us, some of us struggle with uh, loving uh, our neighbor. Um, most of us, most of us, I would say, struggle with loving ourselves. And God's law, again, Jesus is answering a question about law with law. God's law requires you to perfectly love God with everything that you have and to 
Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Again, I want to say this. Uh, God's uh, perfect law is beautiful and it is holy, uh, but it's also unattainable for us. Here's what has been happening in many of our lives over and over as we, as we have engaged with how Jesus responds to this scribe. Um, you have read this and you have been taught this, that you must live under what Jesus tells this scribe in this story. Uh, and you know, and I know, uh, that, um, that I have not done this, um, and I cannot do this. And we feel, uh, we feel some guilt and shame about our inability to uh, love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, and we feel some guilt and shame about that. And so what do we do with that? We, we try harder, and we try to do more, and there's good days, and there are... Um, bad days and everywhere in between and we're on this cycle we get on this cycle of performing uh, so that God would know that um, we love him well I, I want to invite you uh, to consider um, a new lens for this passage today because as followers of Jesus in the new covenant of grace uh, you are not under the old covenant of law that Jesus is summarizing here in this story, in this narrative. Uh, you are under the new covenant of grace that Jesus inaugurated with his blood. And so what I want to do is I want to uh, look at some passages uh, also out of First John uh, chapter 4 and 5, and even some verses in chapter 3, because uh, what we have in Mark 12 is Jesus answering a question about law with the law. What we have in 1 John is the Apostle John uh, giving a testimony and teaching and proclaiming about the message of the new covenant. Um, It's interesting to note that John was almost certainly there in the temple this day in Mark chapter 12, hearing Jesus make this, these statements to this scribe. And so uh, knowing that he was there on that particular day, I think is, is important for us to consider uh, what he tells us in uh, this letter in First John as he writes about the new covenant. So what I want to do is I'm going to read First uh, John 4, verses 7 to 12, and then verse 19 as well. I just want you to hear Uh, what the Apostle John is saying about um, the love of God, about loving God and being loved by God. Verse 7, 1 John 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 9, in this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. In other words, this is the love of God, and it has been made manifest to us. God has initiated this with us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love 
not that we have loved God. In this, this is love. Not that we have loved God. Remember what Jesus told the scribe in Mark 12 and John saying this, not that we have loved God, but that he, that God has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Again, he calls people beloved, verse 11, beloved. If God so loved us, emphasis on the way God has loved you and me and us. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And in verse 19, we love because and only because he first loved us. We read, we read those words and we think that sounds different than what Jesus was speaking in, John, in Mark 12 to this particular scribe. Let me summarize these verses with a few statements uh, just for emphasis. God is, God is love. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he initiated, that he has pursued us, that he has rescued us, that he has shown that he loves us with everything unconditionally. And then we love because he first loved us. If we put these, these verses of the Apostle John alongside what Jesus says in Mark 12, Again, Jesus says, you must love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. John says this, understand that love is from God first and foremost. Receive his love so that you will be enabled to love others. If we take um, these verses out of the context of 1 John 4, and we take the words of Jesus in Mark 12 out of that context, and we just put those statements on a whiteboard and we look at them at the same time, uh, don't they seem to contradict each other? If you pull them out of context and you look at them literally on whiteboard next to each other, you read them and you go, this seems to contradict each other. And out of context, they do contradict each other. But in context... In context, John is teaching, hear this, John is teaching in 1 John 4 what Jesus has been teaching and doing day after day after day in the temple during Holy Week. He is upending, he is upending and moving out the old covenant way and he is inaugurating by his blood the new covenant of grace. Jesus answers to a scribe, a teacher of the law who was an opponent, who was seeking to destroy him, a question about law with the law. And so the lens, the lens of Mark chapter 12 is the old covenant to a scribe who was striving to live under the old way. And John in first in his letter in first John is teaching and presenting and proclaiming 
the gospel of grace. And the lens is the new covenant, the freedom to be loved of God and to love others because we have been loved of God. This feels uh, strange uh, to say uh, what I'm about to say. It, 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 um, yeah, it just feels strange, maybe, um, maybe difficult uh, to say uh, and to understand, but I'm going to say it uh, so that we can understand contextually what's happening here. Uh, and it's this, not, not everything that Jesus says we are supposed to do. What, what Jesus told the Sadducees in last week's passage, I think is relevant uh, to what I'm trying to say here uh, today. Uh, when he told the Sadducees, they, they pulled some words out of Deuteronomy 25 and they use that to concoct this big story. They don't even believe in the resurrection and they're concocting this like chaotic story in the resurrection. And Jesus says to them, you are wrong. You don't know the scriptures. You know some words, but you don't know, you don't know, you don't understand the scriptures. Um, here's the big point. One of the realities for us as new covenant believers and followers of Jesus on this side of the cross is in, um, one of the realities for us in knowing the scriptures, not just knowing some words, but knowing the scriptures, knowing the scriptures, understanding how the scriptures put together, understanding uh, the old versus the new. Part of the reality for us in knowing the scriptures is understanding how to see the Bible through the lens of Jesus's new covenant of grace. Mark chapter 12, uh, summarizing the law into two commands, Jesus says this, love God perfectly with everything, with all. Love yourself and love others. John, presenting, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, he says it differently. He says, believe, believe that God loves you perfectly. And because that is true, you are now empowered called, enabled to love others because God has loved you. Let me, let me read a verse from 1 John 3. 1 John 3, 16 should be easy to remember. Just remember John 3, 16. And now I would encourage you to remember 1 John 3, 16. And it says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. By this, we know love, his love for us. He laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Verse 23, chapter three, and this is his commandment that we believe. The commandment is believe. The new covenant commandment is believe. Believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. The old covenant is about doing and then paying for atonement for places where we fall short of God's holy, perfect, righteous standard. The new covenant is about our believing in Jesus, our believing in what Jesus has achieved for us, not what we have achieved, but what he has achieved for us and his paying, not 
us paying for atonement, the old temple, uh, that system, the, the blood of bulls and goats, but his paying for atonement, propitiation by his own blood, free to us, cost Jesus his life. It's about our believing in Jesus. And so it's this new covenant, be loved of God, believe the love that God has for you and love people. And this isn't hard stuff. This isn't heavy yoke stuff. This is the liberating truth of the new covenant, the new covenant command. 1 John 3, verse 23, believe in the name of Jesus and love one another. This is not burdensome. It's is why John says in chapter five, and read 1 John 5, one to three, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. Again, obey his commands. Which commands? The commands of the new covenant. What are the commands of the new covenant? Believe that Jesus loves you, love people. And then the next verse says, uh, and his commands are not burdensome. It is uh, why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 to come to him for rest. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Believe, believe that you are loved. Love people. This is the command. Um, let's look at how the scribe responded. We'll close here. Let's look it's interesting to consider how this scribe responded to Jesus when Jesus summarized the law with the Shema and uh, love your neighbor as yourself. I want to read these verses again. Verse 32, and the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one. He's not acknowledging yet that Jesus is Lord. So he, he's, but he's, he's beginning to understand that mercy triumphs over judgment. He's beginning to understand that love is primary of all 613 commandments, way more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. So he's getting there. He's an enemy of Jesus, but he's, he's considering things in a new way. You have said that he is one and there is no one besides him and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. He's beginning to grasp something different. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. The scribe is moving in the right direction. He's beginning to see that love trumps burnt offerings and sacrifices. And so Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. He's starting to see, but, but, he, but he, he, wasn't, he wasn't there yet. And we don't know where he ended up. Did he eventually come all the way to see Jesus in his lordship? Did he come all the way to the new covenant of grace? Did he sever his relationship with the old covenant of law and embrace the sufficiency of the work of Jesus? Did he move from you must love God perfectly and love others perfectly? Did he move from that to believe that God loves you perfectly 
and love others. He wasn't far in this moment. And even enemies may be near and ready to repent. I think what's more important as we ask ourselves how we will personally engage with this passage is not necessarily how this scribe responded, but how do, how do I respond? How do you respond to this good news? Because I, I don't want to be not far from the kingdom, and I don't want you to be not far from the kingdom. Let's embrace being in the gospel, in Christ, in the kingdom as sons and daughters together in the family of God, believing the message and the work of Jesus and loving others, each other, and those that God has called us to love in our community and in our world. God is love. He is the initiator of love. He is the rescuer. Whoever abides in love abides in God. Whoever abides, whoever stands under the waterfall of that love of God abides in God, and God abides in him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us and given his son as a propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4, 11, beloved, be love, separate that, be love. The beloved of God are those who, who allow themselves to be love, just to receive and believe the love. The beloved, they have they have, they, they have embraced the love of God. If God, if God so loved us, uh, we also ought to love one another and let us do that. It's command, that command is not burdensome. It's light and easy. It's the joy of salvation for us to be loved of God and to love each other and as the apostle John is doing in his letter to take this message to proclaim it to anyone who may not know this liberating message this grace message of Jesus so let us receive more and let us embrace the call to love well yes those in the family of God but also those that we are called to go and love into the family of God so that they can know the hope that we have as well. I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. I hope that this message has felt for you like getting that different lens uh, when I understood the context of 1 John 1, when 1 John 1, 9 changed. I hope that this has been a message for you um, that will transform some things and lift some things off your shoulder just to be loved of God and to love others. This is the call of God, and this is the joy that we have received in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, this uh, new lens. We thank you for uh, context. We thank you uh, for um, what we are able to understand when we, uh, when we align Scripture with Scripture, and we understand that it does not contradict and we're, we're learning to know the scriptures in their proper uh, context and the lens of the covenant in which they are uh, spoken. We're learning, uh, as you said, Jesus, not to mix 
a new wine with old wineskins. Lord, we're, we're learning to put new wine in new wineskins that we may feel refreshed, that we may uh, experience a breakthrough uh, in our lives. I pray uh, that as um, uh, your sons and daughters, uh, anyone else that may be listening to this proclamation, Lord, that you would uh, continue to speak your word to them, that they would um, look at Mark 12 in a different lens and look at 1 John uh, chapter 3, 4, and 5 and so that we would understand uh, the scriptures, that we would know the scriptures and be liberated by the truth of your word. Uh, you said this yourself in John 8, that they would know the truth and the truth would set them free. So I pray the truth and the freedom of Jesus over each person. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, well, I'm, I'm humbled to have the opportunity week after week to open God's word uh, with you. I'm humbled that you take the time uh, to listen. I pray that you feel encouraged and equipped and strengthened today. As we come to this last song, uh, I pray that you uh, would just allow yourself to worship, that you would be right where you are uh, to let the words uh, wash over you and that as you are stirred, if you would like to receive communion, this would be a great time wherever you are to uh, receive the body of Jesus broken and his blood shed for you as you listen to this song and sing the song to come. Uh, to the Lord's table that is for you. And if you're certain worship offerings, you can send those uh, to us on our website or our P.O. box. There was a slide at the beginning of this service. I think we'll have a slide at the end of the service so you can know where to send those to. God bless each one of you.